Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I'm your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore, and today I have with me Michelle Baker. Welcome to the show. She's the owner of Superfan Solutions, and she has an amazing story that she is going to share with all of you today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Jana. Thank you for having me. You are such a wonderful and beautiful delight, and I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad to have you here. Um, so if you could take a little bit and just tell people a little bit more about yourself and a little bit about your story and, and where you come from. Oh, absolutely. So um, you said uh, Michelle Baker, my gift is igniting confidence and I'm passionate about um, helping non-traditional business owners and sales leaders and sales professionals to actually supercharge their um, sales conversations so that they can actually convert more conversations to clients, advocates, subscribers, whatever that is. So I'm really helping them become superstar sellers. And the reason I tell people that is uh, sales as sales transaction, if you look at the word transaction, is simply uh, the trans part is a transference of your belief that the buyer will take action. So when you actually, that transference of belief is internal and it's your confidence, which comes from the inside. So what I'm really masterful at is helping people to feel better about themselves internally before they ever talk to the client. So I tell people, you must first be your own super fan, then a super fan of your product or offering, then a super fan of your client before you ever have the conversation. So when you work that way, what you actually give them is an experience of excellence and you create raving fans, repeat business, a recommendation that makes working so much more fun and so much more easy. Exactly. It's funny because I've been telling people that for years. I'm like, <laughs> you want to start your own business? You got to be your own biggest fan. You be your straight up cheerleader. And if you don't love what you do, why should anybody else love what you do? Like, I know, right? You know, you we should have, have do it. palms for this episode. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> uh, I'm all about it. Um, especially as a creative entrepreneur, too. Like, you just, you have to really believe in yourself and believe in your art and tell everybody, you know, about what you do. Tell everyone, you know, and that's why I, I said the, non, <laughs> the non-traditional business owner and seller are the per people like a person with LMM, um, uh, MLM, a multi-level marketing product that they love it. It changed their life. They lost a hundred pounds. It cleared up their psoriasis that they had for years. They were able to run a marathon and they could barely walk because of their knees, whatever it is, it's done for you. Um, your passion, about it. And now you really want to help other people, but you don't want to sell, right? Um, you have a business and you really want to change the world and impact your community or humanity, but you don't want to sell. So that's what I love doing. I love ha having conversations and really showing those people how to just be valuable, right? Value first, money follows. I always tell people, if you want more money, the more is you. It's not the client. It's you. You must become more. And that more is your belief in yourself. So confidence is just simply the habit of believing in yourself. And that's what I help people do. That's awesome. I think the world needs so much more of that. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It, it's work. It's daily work, right? I wake up every day and remind myself, you're awesome. Some, yeah. days, some days I have to say it more times than once. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I would love it if you could tell people a little bit more about your, your journey of how you got where you are today. Well, uh, in, in your previous life. <laughs> oh yeah. And I love talking about my journey. So I'm just going to take you guys back a little bit. Um, 
Uh, I was uh, born to uh, parents who were raised in the South and actually Louisiana and raised uh, where they were brought up in places where they saw signs that said colored only. Uh, my birth certificate actually says colored. I'm colored. My mother's colored and my father's colored. My father picked cotton because my grandfather was a sharecropper. So um, they are, I was brought up to be seen and not heard and quite often to be seen and not heard, right? Not seen and not heard. Uh, but it was the result of two grumbling teenagers, 17 and 19, got pregnant, had to get married. And it was just really a volatile, horrible upbringing where uh, by the time I was about uh, 10, I just felt like it was my fault. I was the oldest. I was the reason they got married because she got pregnant with me. And I just took on that burden as I was a mistake. So by the time I was uh, 20, I was incarcerated um, after uh, lots of uh, mental, emotional, sexual and physical abuse. I just was just berated myself. The conversation that's on my head was just horrible. And I just didn't even know why my existence was necessary. I just felt like I hurt all the time. So when you feel like a mistake, you make a mistake. The one thing I was good at, though, is I was smart. I like learning. I like books. And it was just counterintuitive. I could go to work and do really good at these jobs, but I felt horrible. So I decided to focus on working. And when I um, was released, I just started getting jobs and I realized I didn't want to go back. And I just focused on working. And I, I always remembered that people are in business to make money. So I figured if I went to work and helped whoever I work for, my supervisor to do good at their job, make money, I'd always have a job. And it led to more and more opportunity. And then I started watching my coworkers and started going, okay, to keep a job, you got to be the best. So how do you be the best? Show up early, stay late. Okay. What's the next thing? All right. Understand your, your, the person you report to, what is, are their deliverables? Right. And at the time I didn't know all these words, right. Um, you know, if the colloquialism, I barely spoke uh, the King's English cause I was raised in the hood, but I also just could observe. Right. And the observation as I tell people came from being raised in abuse and alcoholism and just dysfunction and being the oldest and keeping my siblings safe, I learned to be hyper vigilant and observant of surroundings. And when I stopped, when I learned to stop begrudging my background and just accept certain, you know, things as that's what it is, those became my superpowers. Still to this day, I'm incredibly um, observant and vigilant of my surroundings and people. Whereas, and I started realizing other than I'm like, did you notice that? Did you see that? And they're like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. When you stop fighting what happened to you and start recognizing it happened for you, you can use it. When you start saying thank you, that you don't know why you're created, what your purpose was, you can start to isolate and utilize all of these different awarenesses that you have from your background and your upbringing. Um, it's one of the reasons why you tend to hear people who hit rock bottom get do so well when they stop fighting that rock bottom and just start, it gives them a sense of belief in something greater than themselves and stop fighting the fall and just hit the floor, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> stop fighting. I should write that down. Stop fighting the fall and just hit the floor, yeah. right? And you just get up. But that, um, I ended up going to college when I was uh, 25. I went to Howard University as a freshman um, because I was in a program where someone actually asked me, you know, do you, why don't you're so 
smart. Why don't you go to college? And I just like people where I come from don't go to college. And then they were just told me what college meant. Like they didn't tell me I had to go to college. They actually told me why college would be beneficial. Right. Um, and it's just absolutely amazing. Now, in hindsight, had they asked me what I want to do, I would have probably said I would want to own a business and maybe I would have got a little different advice <laughs> instead of going the long way to become an entrepreneur. But either way, it's that willingness to um, hear like seeds were planted and they took root and harvested at times where they absolutely were necessary. So my upbringing was a very difficult one. And the awareness that at some point in life, I stopped fighting and I started just realizing that it wasn't about me. It was just that willingness to say, I don't know why this is happening. And I know it'll work out in my favor. When I did that, life really, really started getting better and better. It's interesting because I had another guest on the podcast who had been incarcerated when he was young, too. And he said that when he was in prison, one of the other guys he was in prison with said to him, you can either do your time or let your time do you. Yes. And he really took that to heart. And I, it's, it's so unfortunate that in, especially in this country, that there's so much stigma around people who've been incarcerated at some point in their lives. And like, it tends to follow people around. And it's so for a lot of people, it's so hard to overcome that. And I, I like being able to show on this show, like, Hey, you know, anybody can make mistakes when they're young um, and it doesn't define your whole entire life. And that even when you're incarcerated, you do have valuable experiences that happen and do learn things from that. And um, that there's things that you have learned from that part of your life that uh, help benefit people now. And I think that that is also really important. And I, I think that a lot of people, I think more people need to see stuff like that um, and just stop uh, being so stereotypical about people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that I, I love and I, I, why I do so well at the work I do is that, you know, people tell me I humanize the experience of success. Like I tell people, I don't teach you how to get successful sales or get more sales. What I'm actually teaching people is how to embody and be success. It's a mindset. It's a It's a way of belief. It's a thing that you believe about yourself. You know, every moment of every day, you know, everybody has an off day. We're all human, but um, it's success is rented. It's not a destination. It's not something you own or acquire, achieve or arrive at. It's actually a rent. And every day you must pay the rent. Otherwise you will not achieve any level of lasting success. Mm -hmm. You could, you know, you might be able to do something once or get so far, but to have that life of incredible means that you are on a daily basis doing the things that are requisite to create incredible, right? It's cultivated. <laughs> it's not a purchase. Exactly. <laughs> it's a cultivation. Yes. Dreaming is good, but you got to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, right. Yeah. That's exactly. a pretty good true with the manifestation, right? Even the manifest requires that every day I'm doing some type of mindset work. I'm sitting there visualizing, right? I'm meditating. I am, I'm calibrating my emotions to a certain um, vibration. So even the, the ability to manifest, you know, still requires work. There's always work required for any great outcome requires the, the, the level of outcome is re requisite of almost the level of work. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as an entrepreneur, 
Um, one of the things that kind of sticks in my head all the time um, is one of the laws of physics that an object in motion tends to stay in motion and an object at rest <laughs> stays at rest. And as an entrepreneur, like I am always in motion and that I'm always kind of taking new things on and trying new things and working really hard all the time. Um, and I'm curious how you keep the balance in your life between like working your butt off and resting. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question because I um, have historically a perfectionist and an A-type personality and a control freak, right? Having come from so much dysfunction, I really for years there attempted to control everything around me because then I'd be safe. I, I misconstrued control with safety and control with certainty and getting to the place to realize there is no certainty, right? There, there, the one constant is change. So how I'm able to take breaks in the middle of the day. Yesterday, I like didn't feel a hundred percent. So I went and took a nap, right? And meditated. I looked, had a gap in my calendar, blocked it off and went and took, right? And went and took a nap. I went outside on the back. It was a nice, warm, fall day and I fell asleep and I got up and I meditated and I went back and I had an amazing, I got so much done. Um, and the recognition of alignment with, uh, so the work that I do is generally with conscious entrepreneurs and conscious entrepreneurs like yourself are doing what they love. And what we love comes from inside of us. It's a, it's a calling. It's more purposefully driven. So aligning and to keep that light lit up, to keep that creativity lit up requires that I also um, take care of myself. Um, otherwise, I start to get into force, not source. Right. And how I stay focused on the things that I hear, how I'm, you know, and how I continue to create abundance and the clients that show up and the opportunities that show up and, you know, the deliverables is staying in alignment. So, yes, I historically can deflect even today. Um, we have uh, in our group, we have a happy hour fun Friday. I've made it my standard to get on that call. Even if it's for 15 minutes, every Friday, I make it a point to jump on that call for minimally 15 minutes. I like to do the whole hour, but it just in the middle of the Friday, when I want to wrap my week up strong, get those final emails out, get information. It's counterintuitive. And to remember that there is something greater to me out there that is can do in an instant what I can't do in a lifetime. And so how I'm able to take the breaks and take care of myself is that I find that I get so much I the what I'm able to accomplish and deliver is always greater when I'm in a place of peace and joy and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely I did that today. I have a, a group of other uh, other women that I usually get together with. And we couldn't get together throughout the pandemic. So we've started to get together outside um, in the last couple of months. And today was our, our meeting and I had so much stuff to do. And I was supposed to interview somebody else right before this. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And it, we live in Buffalo. And so for it to be 65 degrees on a day in the fall is a big deal. And I was just looking outside my office. I'm like, oh, it's so sunny out. We might not get another one of these for like five months. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I got to get some lunch. Nah, nah, nah. And then I just started, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go forget it. And then right as I was about to leave, the person I was supposed to meet with at three was like, can we reschedule? I'm like, yes. 
<laughs> yeah. So they rescheduled and I was like, perfect. Now I have two hours and I was like, I'm going to go get some lunch and go hang out outside under the tree in the sun. And oh man, I needed that. It was nice. Yeah. The, yeah. And I, I love that you said that they rescheduled that happens to me so often. I'll look at my calendar and I'm like, you know, like I actually had someone help me because I was getting double, triple book for a while there. Right. And so I had someone, um, another woman in our group, Patty helped me to go in and, and make the systems talk the way they're supposed to on the back end for scheduling and checking my other calendars with the companies I work with. And magic. Uh, yeah, she's my girl too. <laughs> yeah, that's my girl. Right. <laughs> whenever I get stumped, I just look and go, okay, I have a point with Patty. You put that and give it to her. Right. We'll have her. Cause she can actually talk me through something so fast that I'm clear in like less than five minutes. Um, it is magic, honestly, <laughs> but yes, it's uh, thinking about things like that and just having that belief that it's going to work out in my favor. And it really, really does. The one thing that I've taken away in the recent year, uh, especially since COVID. Um, I've created a couple of products and done some things that I always wanted to do. But the, the thing that I tell people is that it rarely goes the way we want it to go. I don't want to say never, but honestly, in my life, stuff almost don't ever go the way I think it should. But I just say it rarely goes the way we think it should, yet it's always working in our favor. If you can just hold on to that, because the minute it doesn't go the way we think it the, supposed to go, our internal mind starts to think something is wrong. And then we either go into fixing or blaming or doubt or fear or frustration. We, we generally just jump on the negative train instead of going, you know what, this is always going to work in my favor. Right. I am doing what I'm, you know, I am doing something noble and worthy, whatever that is. Right. I'm raising kids. I'm paying bills for my like I'm taking care of a family. I'm taking care of myself. I am always doing something noble and worthy. As long as you're in that space, you're not out there trying to kill people or rob and steal. Mm -hmm. It's always working in your favor. And that's the hardest thing I find. And that's confidence. It's this conversation people have internally. That's the thing I find that people have the hardest time with is switching so they can get to um, that positive state. Because if you can get to 51% positivity, you will start to see your life change so dramatically. You won't ever want to go back to that negative state. Yeah, I definitely, it's, it's funny. Cause I know that a lot of people who, who know me um, outside of the zoom world um, will know that I'm <laughs> always like, almost always just kind of putting, putting that like, Hey, you could look at it this way type of spin on a lot of situations. And, um, while there is such a thing as like toxic positivity where people kind of like ignore real problems that people have and just say, just be positive, you know? And like, there's definitely a difference between that and like really working to find the good and no matter and things that are happening to you. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite stories um, is from this, this book that I really love called the way of the peaceful warrior by Dan Millman. Oh, I love that. I've seen that movie. Oh my God. The book. <laughs> um, I've read it like every year since I was 20 I, I, over and over again. It's amazing. Um, but one of the stories that they talk about in there is about this, Uh, there's this guy who has a son who's old enough to go to war and they, the one day he goes out and the son uh, notices that their horse ran away. And then the neighbors all come out and they're like, Oh, what bad luck, bad luck, bad luck that your horse ran away. And 
the father's like, good luck, bad luck. It's all how you look at it. And then the next day, the horse comes back and brings like 12 wild horses with it. And the neighbors are like, oh, what good luck. Now you have all these horses. This is so great. And the guy's like, good luck, bad luck. It's all how you look at it. And then the next day, the son is trying to tame the wild horses and he gets thrown off and he breaks his leg. And the neighbors are like, oh, bad luck, bad luck. And he's like, good luck, bad luck. It's all how you look at it. And then the next day, the army comes to recruit people to go to war and the son's got a broken leg and he can't go. Good luck, bad luck. It's all how you look at it, you know? And I love this story. It's so true. And, you know, yes, you know, everyone will have something awful happen to them at some point in their lives. Yeah. It is just the way it goes with being alive. And in the same vein, like everyone will have some something good happen to you at least once while you're alive, you know, like it's, you know, kind of luck of the draw that something good will happen. And, you know, I, I try to always remind myself when something bad happens, like you never know what's going to happen because this thing happened and vice yes. versa. So, you know, if something is really great happens, it's like, yeah, you want to, you want to take the good when it comes, but you also don't want to base everything you do in the future, your total happiness on how happy you feel when that one really good thing happened, you know, like it's, you got to find that balance in between. Absolutely. And, and just to, you know, to add even another layer to what you say, um, there's certain terms that I uh, empower when I'm coaching my clients that they begin to remove because I use, I do coaching in um, six months. So my, all my, either my one-on-one or my group coaching programs are when I'm working with individuals or with mostly women's groups, it's six months um, on the corporate level is generally, you know, eight weeks because you're, you know, it's sales related, but anyway, it's that good, bad. So one of the things we do on the front end, the first thing we do is write a a clear and compelling vision, right? So once we write a vision, the vision is for more, better, or different, right? You're creating a life of more, better, or different. You're getting clear. This is what I want for my finances, for my relationships, for my career, for my health, right? Um, So you're writing these out and you're getting clear on that and you can still, you know, edit them. Now, the difference between a goal is a goal is a having. It's an acquisition achievement. You arrive at a destination. You get something, right? Nothing lasts. Anything you get will not have lasting um, change or have lasting impact on your joy, on your feel good, because now once you get it, you're going to start looking for something else. You're going to start looking at what someone else has. So everything you have has not, doesn't last. Everything you become will always be yours, right? So a vision is the gap in your ability that demands that you go out of your comfort zone and discover what you're actually capable of and how absolutely incredible you are. So to have that more, better, different, I teach people to become more, better, different. Now, once you decide you want more, better, different, and you must become it, the only way a human becomes more, better, or different is by facing difficulty, setbacks, challenges, obstacles, failures, denials, critics, naysayers, all the things that they generally run from. So having said that, in the scope of a vision of becoming, you don't know what's working, what it's meant for. So there is no good or bad. It's all in your favor. So say thank you. Mm-hmm. So we only reason it's we say it's bad is because we've decided it's meaning instead of allowing ourselves to let the meaning unfold and direct us to the abundant life that we deserve. Right. So I tell there is no good or bad. It's all working in your favor. Mm-hmm. Right? So all how you look at it. It's all <laughs> how you look at it. So all when you, you, when you can start just saying thank you, 
I don't know what, like I tell, like when something happens, like the other day, I got a deposit and I need to pay somebody. But for some reason, the company deposited, the bank put a six day hold on it. Six business day, not like six days, but six. I was like, okay, I don't know why this is happening. (laughs) It doesn't feel good, right? It's the feelings that make us think good or bad. I don't know why this is happening. And thank you. And then I walk away. And then the next thing I, you know, I, I thought of some other things and I started working on some uh, uh, automated things and went and talked to my accountant. So there were other decisions that I became aware of that I had kind of been like putting on a back burner and dealing with that I went and took care of. Right. So everything is working for our greater good, but when we're not clear on what we want, the circumstances have more power. When you get clear on what you want, that's on who you're becoming. That's an internal game. So the external doesn't have as much impact. And so the dictation of and direction of its meaning dissipates greatly. But when I don't know what I want, then I start dictating the outcome of external stimuli because it just hits my feelings. My feelings start to have more power than my belief. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because um, when I, I had a lot of really traumatic things happen to me as a young adult and at the time you know, it's, it's kind of hard to put things in perspective and to see like, what's gonna, what's gonna happen, what's gonna come from things. And I ended up kind of adopting this outlook on life that it was just like, okay, that happened. What's next? Like, <laughs> where's the cancer in the bus that's coming to hit me? Cause I'm waiting. Like in the year that I turned 20, um, the love of my life got shipped off to the military. My mom died on Friday the 13th. And then my dorm burnt to the ground with all of my stuff in it on what would have been her birthday after she died. And then they cut my financial aid for my senior year of school, all in the span of like three months. And I was going to school five states away. I'd inherited a house at back home that needed a ton of work to it. And I was 20 years old. And I was like, what? You know, how do I even what what do I do now after all of this? And I decided to just like, okay, well, the world's going to tell me what to do next. And because I got a little bit of insurance money when my dorm burnt to the ground, I was able to use that money to pay for my senior year of school. (laughs) And had my dorm not burnt to the ground and they had just cut my financial aid, I would not have been able to finish school. So it was just like, good luck, bad luck. It's all how you look at it. Like, did it suck to have my dorm burn up? Yep. But it also helped teach me when I was 20 years old that it doesn't, that material items really don't matter at all. Oh, they so don't. You know, it's like you you need five things to survive. You need food, you need shelter, you need water, you need someone that loves you and something that drives you. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything and, else and, and is some of those extra. are absolutely necessary, right? The food and the water, I think are the most necessary because you don't need shelter. Cause they got a lot of people living homeless who don't have shelter, mm-hmm. right? Got a lot of people living homeless who don't have people who love them and live. Right. So there's, you know, um, I, I so agree with you. Those some of, we still get into the wants, but yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, I love that your story of, um, like what happened to you, how you were able to say, you know, t- to tell it with the air of, I, I, it turned, it told it turned into a benefit because so many times people talk about things that happened to them and they're still telling a painful story. 
instead of the story of uh, the overcoming, Mm -hmm. right? And when we hear enough stories of overcoming, it empowers us in the midst of our challenges. I tell you, the only reason you're not making decisions in your favor is because you have not cultivated enough overcoming inside of you. So your unconscious mind does the work. If it only knows that every time you, you, you fear out, right. You fall apart. Then why would you do anything different until you start referencing and learning and understanding and comprehending that there's a different way and getting example after example, after example, after example, after example, like I could just go on of people who in the midst of a similar situation, because nobody's going to go through exactly what you went through, but in a similar situation and difficult, you know, trying situations, your unconscious mind will then start to halt and remind you, this is not as bad as what I'm thinking it is, right? I'm making this harder than it has, right? And that's the, ch- the challenge. Most people don't want to do the work. Most like, you know, the average American hasn't even read a book after high school, right? Or, right? So they have no reference of how to deal with the emotional feelings of fear that come up. Fear is our friend. It's meant to tell you that you're going out of the comfort zone. You're about to grow. Something amazing is happening, but without the clarity of what you want and the references that it's going to work out in your favor, we just keep using our greatest gift against ourselves. There is no ingenuity and creativity without fear, without that unknown. That's the only time you create is when you don't know, when you don't have an answer is when sparks of ingenuity come in and creation and innovation happen in the midst of the unknowing. But so many people use that against themselves. Yeah. And I think in this, in this world where everything is so uh, digitally based um, and there's so much like text messages and email communication, and there's not nearly as much face-to-face communication. um, I, I think that it's just, and that there's so much like with social media, it's, you know, you get that like endorphin kick when people are liking your post or people are following you or whatever. And like, you keep, being reliant on needing that input of like feeling good, feeling good, feeling good, that you don't give yourself space to feel the rest of the spectrum of emotions. And I think a lot of people just, because we're all on smartphones and on the internet all the time, um, that disconnection that happens, it's like you feel, you think you're so connected to so many people, but you're actually really disconnected from yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people kind of forget what it feels like to be afraid or what it feels like to be sad because everything is kind of our, our dopamine is kicked in all the time with all this kind of checking in and, and interacting um, with not face to face connection, but likes and follows and whatnot that uh, it, it just becomes hard to recognize when something is real right in front of your face. So I'm, I'm actually pretty happy for the pandemic being um, the giant disruption that it is, that it's encouraged more people to um, remember how important it is to be able to see someone face to face because uh, now we can't do it all the time. <laughs> um, and I love that. Like you can talk to somebody via zoom and a conversation like this is so much more powerful than an email or a text message. And most people on a zoom call are 
not really going to be sitting there screwing around on their phone, playing around on Facebook when you're talking to somebody like this, that they would if you were just kind of hanging out, sitting on the couch or going out to dinner. I know, right? It's just exactly. it's so different. It's actually, yeah, you're actually more engaged in a conversation on Zoom than you would be if you were sitting across them at a lunch table where everybody has their phone. You know, I actually, when I go out with people, I ask that, can we put our, turn our phones off and put them away or turn our face down? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like, so I, I really ask that of people when I'm with it and I'm committed to that same level of engagement because yeah, we're so quick, you know, and, and occasionally if you're waiting for something urgent or right, I can understand that, but yeah, yeah. You know, I've been places like to people's houses where they actually take your phone when they were like, it's just been, you know, more and more people are realizing that the, the connection we are, we are technically more, um, we're, uh, uh, technologically, uh, more connected than we've ever been, but, um, on a humanness, that personal level, more and more people are lonely. The, the levels of depression and loneliness and suicide continue to, are, to rise and nobody ever talks about that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of the things that has always been at the core of my business. And when I first came up with the idea of running Papercraft Miracles, I was 19. And I was like, I love writing physical letters to people and writing in my journal and sending cards and, you know, like connecting with people who you can't see all the time because there wasn't Zoom when I started this. There wasn't, there wasn't even texting when I started this. It was like way back. It was like 2002, 2003 when I came up with the idea. And so many people, I mean, like Live Journal was just starting to come out. The Amazon Kindle, like eBooks was a brand new thing. And so many people ended up saying stuff to me like, why are you trying to get more people to write in journals? Like, why do you want people to write letters? No one's going to write letters. Everyone's going to be on live journal or everything is going to be on the internet in the future. You know, this is stupid. You shouldn't even do this. And I was like, just you wait, like it's going to come around that people are going to see how important it is um, to connect with people face to face like that. So, um, and it was funny because for so many years, you know, like Facebook came out and even more people were like, yeah, we're all going to connect this way. And it was probably around like 2014 that stationary started to really rise up in popularity. I mean, people started purposefully going out and buying a paper journal or buying a paper planner and uh, realizing that when you physically write something down on a piece of paper, that it sticks in your brain in a way that it doesn't if you put it in a computer or you type it on a phone, it just doesn't stay with you in the same way. And I just, it was just crazy that finally people started coming back around and saying, man, you know, I really want to start writing letters to people because they're, they're going to get that that's so much more special, that it's really me. And people like realized how much they were starving for that real connection. And meanwhile, here I was just like, told you, <laughs> you ready to buy something now? <laughs> so I just think it's interesting that it, it has come back around. And I think the, the more we get digitalized in other ways that uh, people are going to really start seeking out more and more ways to physically be connected to each other in safe ways. Yes. For sure. Yes. I think they really, really see the value in it. Now when it was taken away, people actually see the value in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More people are not everybody. 
Definitely. So I don't want to run out of time. I wanted to ask you a little bit like what your take is on uh, the global uh, civil rights movement that is currently happening right now. And I, I wanted to know like what your what your take is on that and and uh, how all that is, is making you feel in the middle of this huge change of the world right now. Um. It's it's an interesting place to be. You know, I, I've had the blessing of seeing um, my father cry when Obama was elected because in his lifetime as a man who, as I said, picked cotton, right? Um, for him to see a black male president and uh, was just uh, to, to, to experience his heart in that moment was just the most wonderful thing and the gift um, to be a woman who was raised and had the effects of Jim Crow because my parents were both raised in a Jim Crow. Um, uh, and so the repercussions where they don't get, they didn't get, you know, go to uh, social services and get PTSD and know how to not teach me what they had been conditioned to believe believe was to keep me safe. Um, so basically, um, having a voice being very smart for a long, long time and always, uh, dumbing it down. I, I like that. Um, I am being sought after now. I am incredibly gifted in talent for years and it's just been bypassed or overlooked in so many, um, instances. So for, to be able to have a voice and to use it for the greater good, um, is just been a blessing. Like I can't even keep up with the amount of off requests that I get to, to speak now. And it's, you know, as an African-American woman, um, who speaks incredibly well on a topic I'm telling, I don't just tell people what I think they should do. I actually, you know, speak from a space of being well-educated and schooled and skilled in this area. And I love that, you know, what has always existed is being uncovered, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm no longer, it's it, initially, it was really weird to be invisible for most of my life. And all of a sudden now not being visible was actually um, talking to some other African-Americans. We all, uh, many of us experienced uh, initial fear, right? Uh, it, it made us feel unsafe because it was just like someone, it wasn't even like a, a, a gradual, it was just all of a sudden, <laughs> right? All of a sudden we're like, Hey, and you're like, okay, is this real? Is this a trick? Because so much of our life, you know, has been around trickery. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, I'm really happy to see that more and more that we're, uh, my, my, my desire is that we move to one race. Um, so little of what makes up the DNA that makes our color different is it's so little, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, um, that we can just go to being human, a human race. And that's just a person. And we are, so, you know, we are souls having a human experience, right? Um, I would just love to see that continue to develop. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, there, you know, there's so many people who've been fighting for change for hundreds of years, right? And, and it's just, you can get kind of burnt out on fighting for change when you are trying to look at the big, huge picture. But I think that 2020 has been really, I don't know, just heartening for me to see a lot of little changes that have all kind of gone into effect at the same time. I you know, it. like 
that all these like big, huge corporations now like really have to own the fact that if they say that they've got diverse yeah. employees, I'm with you. They, I'm with you. You know, people are calling them out on Instagram to like show me your people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I love it that it is right, and that and, and you talked about like the 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 younger generation. That's where they don't they you know they are so blended at this point that they're not accepting this. They're gender blended, race blended. They they are really our human race, mm-hmm. right? They are really embrace each other at a different level than any of us. You know, I don't call them Gen X or Z or whatever they are, and they are you know at the forefront of this. And I'm just really excited to see, like you said, um, you know, show me where your mouth is. Like, I, you know, show me where, if this is what you say, then where, where, where can I see it? Right? Yeah. And the other, like, really just, we're going to hold you accountable to this. You know, yeah. you can't just do lip service anymore and you can't get exactly. away with it. And, you know, it's, yeah. it is still, of course, there's a long way to go. There's still plenty of horrible things happen every single day, but it is, it has been really cool to act like in just the last couple of months to just see things start to turn the other way. Right. Um, and, and, on and a much goes, bigger scale. Oh, sorry about that. No, go and, ahead. that and that goes to your point, the good or bad, right? It's just what, you know, it, it's right. We think we want to say these things are bad. And if they've brought awareness that's causing a movement for change, then was it really bad? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always, you know, how do I, how do I utilize this experience to, for the greater good first for my good, right? Because I'm no good to no one else if I don't feel good internally. And, um, and then how does that empower me to be part of the greater good? Exactly. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this and this has been a journey. I was telling, I was telling somebody the other day. I was like, oh, I used to be the angry black woman that when you walked in the room, you'd look at me and be like, yeah, you just go the opposite direction because <laughs> I was just mad at the world, mad at right. And again, that's why I say getting clear, finally deciding that I it was exhausting being that mad and that. If I was going to live life, I wanted to live it with joy and enthusiasm and doing that work totally, totally changed everything. I love it. It's just like two shows in a row that I've interviewed (laughs) people who are like, my whole goal in life is to live with unbridled black joy all day. (laughs) Like, this is so great. That's joy. Like, why not? Man, it makes me so happy to be able to share these stories with the world. You know, like just <laughs> put you. it out there and be like, this is so important for people to see this and experience this. And and I just think, man, thanks, pandemic, for like making me start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thank you. Thank you, you know? for doing this, right? Um yeah, we do it for yeah, a long so time. And- want, somebody's gonna listen to this and it's gonna reinforce, like I talked about, have they're gonna have the reference, right? That it's you know, that they, they are possible. They are enough, right? They, whatever that is, if you're listening to this, um, know that you are enough. Everyone was created special and unique and beautiful and the world will only get better when you let us see what that is. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, I know that the first time I heard you, um, through Shiftco as the presenter for one of our hub meetings, um, you were kind of talking a little bit um, about 
just like serendipity and, and how that kind of comes into play in your life. And as soon as like the things that you were saying in your thing, I'm like, that's me. That's me. I do that all day long. Right. <laughs> so I was really excited to be like, oh man, I'm going to ask her to be on my show. I'm going to ask her to be on my show. And you're yes. like, I'll totally be on your show. I'm like, yay. It's so exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I tell people, this is, you know, I had someone, I recently got asked to, to do a talk and a person said, you know, the reason I like, I love you because you, you humanize, like you don't just talk about principles or processes or programs. You actually talk about the humanness of our experience and and why it's necessary. Like you really make that pain and those problems and those struggles real. And I'm like, and she's like, you've probably been through a lot. And I was like, you got time? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like you, right. Burning down all that stuff. All it does is when you're able to just say, like the guy with the horse and the, and the sun, when you're able to say, you know what, this is just part of life and I'm just going to keep moving in a direction that feels good. You'll be amazed at what you'll create. Exactly. And it's, it's weird. Cause after all my stuff burnt up in the fire, I lost all, I've been a poet since I was five years old and I lost all of my journals from my entire life <laughs> in like a four hour span gone forever. And I had always been writing things down to explain myself to myself, to be like, you're not crazy. This makes sense, you know, and and writing all these poems and just kind of explaining my own existence. And I had always sort of relied on what I had written down to um, kind of tell me who I was. And once they were all gone, I realized that I had no idea who I really was because I'd been relying on, who I thought I had been, who I thought I had documented for such a long time. And, you know, it's like in the same metaphor that, you know, literally I had nothing, (laughs) like literally no stuff. And I was like, man, what a way to be inspired to create something new than to start with a totally blank page. And instead of, Oh my God, we are like literally sisters from like, if I tell you when I left New York and relocated to Texas, my Blackberry died, like on the way to the airport, it just started dying. And I don't know why we, they couldn't figure it out. I stopped at three Sprint stores on the way to the airport and they couldn't, and you could watch it. It was like resetting itself and it was just going, and they knew, they said, once it stops, it's going to like turn off and you're going to come on. It's going to be whole. And they couldn't figure it out. And I got off the plane and my fiance had passed away right before that three days before I was flying out and it was the best thing that ever happened because I like, I realized when I got on the plane, by the time I landed, I was just like, well, whoever calls me, that's who I'm supposed to be in touch with. Right. And it was like a blank slate. So the fact that you just told that story was just like, Oh my God. So cool. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know, like, and, and it's, it's hard because I know that like in, in this crazy time of the world, when like, there's so many people who are just grieving so many things all at the same time, like grieving the loss of loved ones and they're grieving the loss of normalcy and living a life without crazy amounts of anxiety and fear. And like, there's just so much grief everywhere. And I'm not trying to deny anybody, um, they're right in their time to grieve for things. But for me in my life, 
whenever the shit is really hitting the fan, when you've got nothing and you feel like you've got nothing. And the same thing you were talking about, you know, when you hit rock bottom, what did you say? You said, stop fighting the fall and just hit the floor. And that's the same thing. It's like, you know, you hit the floor when you, when you hit the floor, you've got ground underneath you to stand right back up. You know, you're not standing on top of a pile of things that aren't solid. You're standing on the very base of existence and, you know, what better way to start building a new life than to start with nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I love that. I, t- there's, there's nothing The clean slate, right? People, people want more, better, different. I'll get clients who are in sales and they want make all their sales money and they want promotion. Right. And then we start working together and three weeks later, they get fired or laid off or downsides and they freaking out. I was like, dude, awesome. That's what's like, meant to happen. I was like, what's easier becoming this amazing salesperson at a brand new company where nobody knows you or trying to get the people that you've been working with for the last eight years to believe you're a better person. Exactly. Right. Like celebrate. And they're like, Oh yeah. Right. It's all perspective. Right. And this is why, you know, I do the work I do because, you know, it's to help people instead of having to listen to all the podcasts and get there quicker, just hire a coach and you can get there even faster. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You You get the perspective faster. Right. But yeah, it's like you said, you know, it's, had that not, man, who, how different would you be right now? Had you still had those journals? Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even think about it. I mean, I definitely, I might still have a business, but it's, it would not look the way it looks now. Not at all. Not at all. And like my reasons for doing what I'm doing right now, it's, it's so based in knowing very early on in life that life is freaking short. And I knew that like my parents had so many struggles with being able to do what they really loved for their work. Yep. And even as a little kid, you know, like I, I recognized it really early. Like I came from a crazy upbringing. My parents were both married to other people when I was born. And I definitely was like the oops baby in the middle of these two families and everybody ended up getting divorced and my mom and my biological dad never got together. Um, But luckily all of those people, all of those people, both sides of both marriages um, and, and my mom were all in my life, my whole entire life. I had five parents who all wanted to be part of my life. And they totally could have went Jerry Springer on it and it could have been really ugly, but they didn't do that. And I had all of these adults that I got to learn from who all had different walks of life. I mean, my, my mom was super broke. She worked like five part-time jobs and had no money. And then I would go to my biological dad's house and go skiing on the weekend. Cause he's like a big shot professor and had his own science lab at the university and like was doing all this like amazing research in his life and made good money. And so I had this like weird kind of dichotomy in yeah, my life. Of like, yeah. This family, you know, these people have gone through these struggles and that their relationship works like this now. And these people have gone through these struggles and their relationship works like this. So I got to see like more about, different ways that different people live than I think a lot of people ever will. I mean, I was the baby at one house and I was the middle child at the other house. And I was the oldest at the other house. Cause I got shuffled around a lot to everybody's, to all these different families, all these different houses. And it was just a really interesting way to grow up, but it also made me really independent because 
I was the one that went from all these other houses, but the people who were at the houses all the rest of the time, they lived there all the time. So they had this kind of permanent situation. And I was kind of this like, you know, floater that kind of went around and um, it made it so that I, I ended up being not super, super close to any of my family members because I wasn't around any of them all the time. So I got to get a lot of the good parts of people and not so many of like the tough things that you really deal with when you live with somebody 24 seven. And I think in some ways it's like made me just a different kind of adult, like a really kind of independent, adaptable adult. That's just like, I roll with the punches because it's like, oh, well, where are you going to be today? Just be comfortable wherever. Like I can go to sleep like wherever because I've had a bedroom in a closet and a, a bed at the top of the stairs at a different house. And like, they just made space for me wherever they had space. And it wasn't always like most of the places didn't, you know, it felt like my home, but it wasn't my home. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I don't know. It, it's, it makes it really interesting for me to interact with, with people who've had like the, Oh, I have two parents. They're still married to each other. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't, I don't know that either. My parents are married three times each. So, and I've never been married. Um, but yeah, they were married three times each. And then they third marriages were to their high school sweethearts, both of them. So it was like their intended, like the person that they probably should have really married. And then by the time they married that person, they actually recognized, right? Why they don't even like, they, they can be around each other and have a good time. And they literally were like, why did we get married? Right. Why do we even get divorced because of the trauma? Like they see, like when it's the holidays, you know, us as adults going different places and choosing and like, they're, you know, it's like, why did, why do we even do all of this madness? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, it's very interesting to see. Um, the one thing I will say is they were very unified when it came to raising us. Mm-hmm. Um, like if we were a punishment at my mom's house and we go to my dad's house, we stayed. Right. So if we were, you know, if there was homework to be done, like they communicated very well when it came to us. Um, and my mom never spoke ill. Like I see so many women who, um, bash the ex-husbands or the, so many spouses bash the other spouse around the kid. And I'm like, you, you make that kid, uh, feel guilty for love because they feel guilty for loving their biological parent, the, uh, the human that they are biologically inclined to love, no matter what you're creating a sense of guilt, which then in adulthood, has them choose relationships where they feel guilty for love because now they've been conditioned to be in a space of, of, of tying love to guilt. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like so, so much, so much of what we do is just like I tell people, we have technology. Yes. But as humans, which is as stupid as we were um, at the inception of mankind, right? This is why they've had so many other civilizations that have just completely disappeared because of human stupidity. Exactly. Like, yeah, we haven't really been focused on caring about people and not caring about things. Yep. And so much focus right now is on things and not people. And, you know, you even see it, you know, when they're talking about people out protesting in the streets and somebody always says, oh, but what about the the rioting? What about the looting? And you're like, you care more about this person's storefront window than you care about people who get shot in the street. Something is wrong here, you know, even even down to the whatever they call that conviction for Breonna Taylor. They're like they care more about the bullets in the drywall than they care about bullets in people. 
and that's I'm, the thing. I'm, like, I'm I, so I with we, you. We just need we need to figure that out. Yeah, like, I it just, is. I don't understand how that's just not evident. <laughs> how do people look at that situation and come up with the conclusion? But the stuff, I, I just. I don't know. Because people who make the decisions, it's in their favor for decisions to go the way they keep going. And the people who have the power are just trying to make ends meet. And so they they don't realize and recognize that unified the power we have. So the powers that be keep us divided. Because if we actually understood as a human race, the power we had to create change, mm-hmm. change could be created. But we're, we, we won't because there's too much division. Exactly. Until until it's unified at the higher levels, Mm -hmm. what happens at our level will never change. Yes. It reminds me of my, I play in a band and my bandmate Alex has this amazing song that he wrote. And there's one lyric from it that I just, just keeps sticking in my head all the time. And he says, why they work so hard on trying to divide us. Could it be that they're afraid of what's inside us? Yeah. And I just, Oh man, the whole world needs to like hear that on repeat like every single day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that goes again. So how do I stop judging people? Well, I only do to others what I first do to self. So until my interpersonal conversation, until I'm confident in being valuable to myself, I can't be valuable to anyone else. And that's why I got to where I was and why I love what I do. I just happen to also do it in the realm of sales because, you know, and you know, Money is actually vi- more important than people think, right? You know, it's, it, it's you know, if you got a light, light electricity and stuff like that, they kind of want money. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so for that aspect, I do like the, the selling portion of what I do. And when I, even when I work with sales teams, it's always about like my um, Ignite Clients is the, the program that I use for sales teams and it's um, growing your people and your profits. So it's, I believe that when you grow your people in the mindset of how they do sales and how they do business, your profits will always come. Plus they will be consistent and ongoing and long-term and lasting, right? It's not just about hitting a quarter mark or a year mark, or, you know, it's about helping your people to be happy that they are doing a job that is good and worthy as a business owner, you are always selling. So teaching you how to stop, you know, introducing yourself and tell people, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not a salesperson. I just like, yes, you are. You are a salesperson. You have a business, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, I'm not a salesperson, say what you are. I'm gifted and talented doing this. And I love doing that. Eliminate that stuff from your conversation. But many people aren't even aware they're saying it because it's just a habit and they're conditioned to it. So that's where, why I love the work that I do is getting people to speak in a more confident, powerful way and attract more opportunities so that they can do more good work in the world. Mm-hmm. I always like to tell people, I, the person who like you, someone who loves what they do, do is way better than someone who's just good at what they do. Like you, everybody has had an experience. We've been to a restaurant. You've been to a place that like, I love barbecue. So I'm just use the example. I've been to restaurants that are, they have good barbecue and they have good portions and you know, the food is good. It's decent. Then I've been to people who love what they do and they just like the barbecue is good. The portion is amazing, right? You go in there and they, you know, they throw an extra on just because it's Friday and everybody's had like, you know, it's, that it's the love, right? They, they're saying like your experience. Yes. Oh my God. I was like, just about to say that. (laughs) 
just uh, it's excellence, right? It's that extraordinary. It's something that makes you leave there and someone asks you about barbecue, you'll be like, you know what? This place is good, but this place, you're going to have to drive a little farther and it's worth the drive. Like you will talk, you will talk business toward them because they have loved on you. Exactly. And that's, that's who I want to help. I want to help that non-traditional person talk about how much they are going to love on you when they work on you. So you say yes. It's funny that you say about like, people who really love what they do. And it's, it's just interesting that in our society, there's so many people who hate their jobs, you know, like uh, the vast majority of people are like, Oh, fuck going to work. That's the worst, you know? And (laughs) my parents were like that. They were just like, no, I gotta go to work. I don't like it. I don't get to do any of the things I really enjoy. And I knew as a kid that for for all of my parents, the only one of my parents who really and truly love what they do is my dad, who's a research scientist. And he spent Uh, all his time at work and kind of neglected everything else a little bit because he really (laughs) just loved what he did. But I think that it's so ingrained in us as a society that if you do something that you really, really love as a job, that it's hard for you to kind of wrap your head around how you deserve to be paid well Yes. And also enjoy your work at the same time. Exactly. And exactly. For years, I was like, am I, I kind of started yeah, you, you my think, You almost think you have to be a pauper to love what you do. It's like being that artist who lives in the, over the garage of some well-meaning patron, right? And they get to sell a couple of paintings here and there. And if they go on vacation, it's because their patron has a, I li- right? It's that kind of thing. I, exactly. I, I live, I live exactly. hand to mouth like, kind of lifestyle and it's, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. It's like I if I interrupt. make money, cool. If I didn't, I made art, and that's also cool. And I, I really lived in that zone for a long time because I did this as my fun side gig, and that's exactly how I thought about it. And after I quit my full time job to stay home with my son and really work on building my business, I was like, okay. I can't think about it that way anymore because this is going to be what I'm going to do for the whole rest of my life. This is my career, and I deserve to be paid for it. And it's been really, it's been hard to like focus on growing and scaling this company. I'm really trying to do it without taking any loans and any funding. So, or diluting my company at all. So every single profit that I've made so far, I've been throwing it back into the business and it's, it's tough to not get a paycheck and to not have my own money while I'm doing this. My husband is definitely the breadwinner and like making all this possible right now, but Uh, I'm seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel that it's like all of this effort of putting it all back into it has been worth it because I'm getting to the point where I can be like, cool, I'm going to get paid what I deserve for doing something that I love every day. And I get up in the morning and now that I do virtual kindergarten with my five-year-old, after we're done with virtual kindergarten, I come down to my office because it's right downstairs in the same building. And I'm like, I get to go to work today. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I just want to add a shameless plug that I we're talking about this because we both met through um, Shiftco, which is the business growth community for conscious entrepreneurs. So similar to you, I was the person who every time I opened my mouth to speak, people wanted to buy something. They wanted to sign up. They wanted, and I couldn't figure out why I kept 
exploding and imploding and exploding and imploding because you get all the work, you do the work, but while you're doing the work, you're not taking on new people. And like, so, so the pipeline dries up. So um, the, the program that has been created uh, by uh, the, fo- the, the founder, founding um, CEO and the other investors here at Chefco is absolutely um, game changing. It is um, incredible. And it's been so far and fun to learn concepts that I'm aware of and I've known of, but to learn them the way I need to learn them. Nobody could seem to teach me. Like I'd sit there and I'd be like, okay, I know this makes sense, but why don't I want to do it? Or why am I not? Like, I would just like, I paid for so many programs that I knew were going to help me and I still couldn't apply it. And I couldn't figure out why, because I literally was thinking something was wrong with me. And it's not that. It's just the, 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 the lens of someone who loves what they do is very different from someone who make, who's just to make money. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. We can talk all day. We can I know. Talk all day. We so, we have, like all you, all you people listening, we just, is this what happens when you get with someone else who loves what they do. <laughs> exactly. It's funny. I have to really fight to make all these shows now like five hours long. <laughs> people keep saying like, okay. I, like I see other podcasters and they're like, how long is your show? And they're like 15 minutes. I'm like, I can't even say hello in 15 minutes. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so at the end of all of the episodes, I ask all the guests the same five questions. Yeah. Because it's really interesting to me to see how different people answer the same questions in different yeah, ways. Yeah, I love that. So the first question is, tell me about uh, an experience or a moment in your life that shaped who you are today. Um, wow. I'd say the experience and moment that shaped who I am today, the, the one that uh, comes to top of the mind was uh, in, um, when I was transitioning into a program and the partner, I was working at this program out of incarceration and a partner at the law firm, I was a file clerk. And she asked me why. She asked me really, why was I there? It was the first time anyone had asked me why. And um, I, everything I do helps people to get to that part of their life, get that clear because it changed me. It planted such a powerful seed in me that about, you know, which she delivered afterwards the why that it changed how I thought about myself and it changed what I thought I would be capable of. And I've literally, um, even if I've drifted or, you know, got distracted, I always find my way back to my why. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Number two. <laughs> Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Oh, um, I actually, uh, am a vision, ma- I'm, I'm, I'm a vision mastery strategist. So everything I do is about having people write clear and compelling visions. And then we write a vision statement. So I have one and it's, I am a, a well-paid world renowned traveling, highly sought after thought leader and subject matter expert on um, sales and confidence <laughs> who joyfully, who joyfully and luxuriously gallops the globe. So when I get stuck or overwhelmed, I ask myself, what would she do? And if it's something, um, sometimes it's she go eat because your blood sugar is low because you're hungry. She'd take a nap like I did yesterday. Um, she would, uh, you know, meditate so that she'd get her head clear to make that next inspired. So I make a decision based off of what she would do. 
I love that. I I also have a kind of superhero <laughs> alter ego. Why you stand up? You stand up and like say it, right? Exactly, like my, my superhero stage persona. Uh, yeah. it's like my, I, I'm a rapper. That's what I do in my band, and my rapper name is MC Vendetta. And, and like MC Vendetta is just like she's hardcore as hell. Like she's got this whole attitude. So like whenever nice. I'm just like feeling crappy about myself, I'm like I need to channel that, and I'm like. Hell no. Yeah, like, yeah. Crap to me, you know. Like I kind of get this whole, like this attitude, and um, man, it makes me feel like I can do anything. <laughs> exactly, I love Number it. Number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake, and what you learned from it. Um. Uh. So, I'm gonna say, um. One of the biggest mistakes I made was um, I invested in uh, being a uh, uh, in one of these um, women's networking organizations to, you know, run a chapter here in Austin. And it took a big chunk of money um, out of the money I was working with. And then I spent like a year trying to build this chapter and do this work because I believe, you know what they said, what if I built that the chapter will build my business. And at the end of it, I was like, you know, out of tens of thousands of dollars, because I was doing these events that were always in a negative. I don't I think I had one out of 13 events that actually (laughs) turned a profit. Right. Um, and it was really, um, finding, like why I wasn't working. But what I learned was that it was a misalignment and that it was the, it was uh, one of the last times I think maybe I had paid for a coach at right after that, but it was one of the last times that I remembered that I invested in anything thinking it was going to be my answer. I quickly learned that anything I invested was, was not me trying to get um, validation outside of myself. It was confirmation of what I already knew to be true. And I was just having someone teach me the skill to, to help me to move forward on what I already knew I was true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? Medi- uh, morning, my morning routine. Um, that was the hardest thing for me to create with consistency as I meditate daily. Um, I, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is my visions, um, or I have them as a voice memo and I listen to them before I get out of bed. Um, and it is the unconscious mind does 90% of the work. So um, if you're familiar with the five second rule written by Melanie B, she's done research has shown that every self-made billionaire on the planet has a non-negotiable morning routine. So my morning routine is non-negotiable. Awesome. So aside from, from meditating, what else do you do in your morning routine? So uh, also on my morning routine, I, um, so I listen to my visions. I meditate, um, affirmations. I have some other things, um, that I listen to or, um, like, cause I, one of the things I've learned is our unconscious mind loves the sound of our own voice. So I have things that I've read or say like, and then I listen to them on the recording, um, I do other things throughout the day, but the first thing is my mind It's calibrating my mind to the, to the understanding that I have an infinite ability and just tapping in to source and joy and belief that today is going to be another amazing day. That's awesome. 
I know that last year around this time, I, I started, I put a whole bunch of habit trackers in my bullet journal. Cause I was like, I need to start like doing all these things intentionally to make my day better. And I had like a bunch of things in there. And the one thing that I put in there that uh, I had heard in, in, at this event that I went to um, was that don't check your phone until you oh. have coffee. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so every single day that I would get out of bed and have coffee in my hand before I even opened my phone, I would put uh, a little check mark in my book. And I really need to get back to that because I, I get up in the morning and I tend to just like doom scroll and like I see no. something stupid on Facebook and it puts me in a crappy mood. And then I'm like rude to my kids and I'm like, what did I do? That was stupid. And yeah, I back to that. So, and I will just to jump in and I forget because see, it's condition, it's my identity. So I probably forget a lot of the things that. I actually do, but I do not check anything. So when I say I check my phone, I know how to get to my phone without looking. So I don't check social media, emails, anything. It's only to listen. My voice memo is the only thing I, you know, I hit the thing and can hit voice memo. That's all. But, um, I'm up for minimally two hours before I ever see email, social media or anything. Oh my goodness. I definitely, do. I, I could, mostly I can make it like 30 minutes, maybe, um, cause now that I'm doing virtual kindergarten, I have to yeah. do a bunch of stuff to like get the kid ready, but I kind of have to like sit there while he's doing school. So I'm like, mm, you know, doing some stuff on my yeah. phone cause I'm trying to do something, um, and stay useful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number five, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? And what advice would you give to other people? Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's the best piece of advice I'd say I'd ever gotten. Um, but, uh, the best thing that I, uh, the kind of how I built my, the principle of what makes Michelle, Michelle is, um, realizing that I cared way too much what other people thought of me. And, um, it's a Maya Angelou quote that I remember was on the back of a bookmark that I got from somebody years ago and people will, won't remember what you said. They forget what you did, but they never forget how you made them feel. So I thought, um, and got to the clarity is if when I focused on helping other people feel good altruistically, right. Without that thought of getting anything back, just, you know, understanding it, whatever you want to receive, you must give it because it's reciprocal. And so my mantra has become, you will be better off for having spent time with me, period. And that's how I love my life. And there's rarely, if ever, like, unless I'm having a bad day, I'm sick, tired or something like that, where people don't walk away better off or in, you know, for having spent time with me. So that, that thing, that quote, um, changed my life. It's in some of the stuff, my deliverables and my trainings. It's one of the first things that's in the quote, because everything I'm doing is helping people to be valuable in that manner. Just focus on leaving other people better off. You're just planting seeds. You're not harvesting, right? You're not hunting for anything as a business owner. You're just planting seeds and, and nourishing and how you treat people. And you will always have a bumper crop. I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on my show. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yes, yes, yes. So you can find me. My um, you, um, All my social media handles are Michelle, and that's spelled me, and then like shell, like the seashell, M-E-S-H-E-L-L-R Baker. So at in all of them, you can go there. 
Um, if you're interested in getting clear and compelling vision, if you've never done a vision or had created a vision board or done any work about how to get clear, if you text the word vision board, all one word, no, no spaces to three, three, seven, 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 you can get a free download. <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> this is awesome. So if you text it, I'll do it like you text three, three, seven, 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 uh, vision board, the word vision board, no spaces, um, to three, three, seven, seven, seven. You can have a download that will get you on a path to getting clear about what you want, becoming more confident, having a higher belief in yourself and really turning your life into, um, more days where you are excited when you wake up, you're excited when you head out the door, you're excited when you return home. And that is actually your, as a person, a human of our humanity, that is your right. Your right is to experience abundance. So I, I hope you'll download it and I hope you keep listening to um, Jana's podcast and get more reinforcements that you are worth it. You are worthy of a wonderful life. Oh, thank you so much. And <laughs> um, thanks so much for hanging out with us here on the Reach the Stars podcast. Again, yes. I'm your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. My guest, Michelle Baker. Um, and all of her links will be in the show notes for the people who are listening and not watching the video. For everyone watching the video, you'll see them. They would have popped up on the screen and they will also be in the notes below the video. If you love this show, please go on patreon.com uh, slash reach the stars to support us. Uh, I do this show out of the kindness of my heart because it makes me really happy, but it'd be awesome if I had money to pay for childcare while I'm recording and editing and whatnot, because childcare is typically not free. <laughs> nice. Oh, thanks so much. Everybody have a great day. Bye. Bye. A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments, stories of pursuing dreams overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.